The college basketball offseason is in full effect, but summer is when the time when programs and players make strides to get ready for what lies ahead. The sun is shining and spring and summer is in South Dakota. We're going to talk about the Coyotes today right here on Locked On Women's Basketball. Welcome to Wallet. For the win. You are Locked On Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Hello, everyone. Happy Monday. It is May 22nd, 2023. May is also graduation month. So from pre-K to PhDs, congratulations, to all of the graduates out there. I am Missy Heydrich, National Women's Basketball Correspondent here at The Next. So happy to have you with us today. Thank you for making Lockdown Women's Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. You can follow me on Twitter at Missy Heidrick, but first you've got to go over and follow us, Locked On Women's Basketball, on Twitter as well, and get to the next hoops at thenexthoops.com. We have you covered from everything related to women's basketball. You will find it there. Well, the South Dakota Coyotes of the Summit League have been one of the most consistent mid-major programs in women's basketball across the nation over the past several years. Regular season, postseason conference tournament titles, NCAA tournament appearances, and a host of talent that has come through Vermilion, South Dakota. Today, I am so excited to be joined by the South Dakota head coach, Kayla Karius, who's coming off her first year at the helm of the Coyote program. Hello, coach. How are you? Hi, Missy. I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Well, absolutely. All right. I want to I want to walk back a little bit, kind of take you back in time, maybe a little um, over a year ago. You were named the 11th head coach at South Dakota in April of 2022. Two years an assistant for Don Plitzewhite there at USD. You had been at Wisconsin and Drake before coming back to Vermilion. When the phone rings and you think about, well, all of a sudden this job is something that may strike your interest. What was it about this one? Why South Dakota? Well, it's a great question. And I, I, you know, there was really, it was a no brainer for us. You know, I can even tie it into our, our family situation a little bit too, because when I was an assistant here at USD, my husband was actually um, on the men's basketball staff. And so to have both of us here in Vermilion for two years, um, it was, it's not very common. I think that, uh, you know, you have a coaching couple, but then you're coaching at the same place at the same time. It, it's so rare. And we, I don't know that we really appreciated that as much as <laughs> Uh, we were still dating at the time. And then after two years, uh, I got offered a job at Wisconsin and his boss here had moved on to Utah State. And so I was going east and he was going to go west. And so we decided to to get engaged and uh, been gone now four years. We've gotten married. Um, we started a family. And I think when uh, we start to have that initial phone call, um, it, there's not much to think about. It, we've already experienced it. We knew what it was like. No visit necessary, right? We, In fact, it, it was even better because with the players that were here, 
I was a part of all but one of their recruiting process. Now, some of them more than others, some of them were mm -hmm. just getting started, but I was familiar with everybody. Uh, I just had never coached them yet. And so that was really cool just to have all those connections. Uh, you know, our, our friends are still here. We have a lot of just great people um, in our circle. So uh, it's a really special place. I think it's one of the most unique places in the country because we have a top-notch facility, like you had just talked about, such a tradition of success and a wonderful basketball program that has reached new heights here in the last couple of years. Um, and so that's a really great thing to build off of. And then at the same time, we're in Vermilion, South Dakota, where everybody knows your name and our players can't go to Hy-Vee or Walmart without getting stopped and asked for their autograph from little girls in the community. And so it just makes it um, so personal and it, it's such a wonderful place to live. No matter how you slice it, when you move from one chair over into that head coaching spot, it's different. And I've talked to other coaches, whether they've come back to the college game or have done the same thing over the course of the last couple of years. And I think about that that is a big move and it's by no means an easy one. What helped you in that transition going from an assistant, but knowing that you had that familiarity obviously is a big help. But it's different when this is now your program. Yeah, it is different. And I, I think there was going to be uh, certain adjustments that were going to have to be made that I just had to give myself some grace with. You know, you've the cool thing is uh, I've seen it done with a, a, a number of different head coaches. And so I've, I've gotten to learn from them. They're all great mentors of mine. Uh, uniquely enough, the last year I spent at, at Drake University, I was only there for one year. Um, it was Allison Pullman's first year as head coach. She also shifted over from the assistant role to the head coaching role. So uh, I think it really, it was meant to be that I got to experience that and watch her go through it and watch the adjustments that had to be made in a program that she was already a part of. But uh, it takes on a different personality when there's a new person in charge. And uh, it was such a learning year um, for, for all of us to go through. And so when I got here, I knew there were going to be similar adjustments that needed to be made. Um, and some of those things come easily and some of those don't. And sometimes you think you know what you want and then you you get into the mix of it. And then you're like, that's not at all what I was looking for in that. And um, again, you, you learn along the way. And then now we're all really excited for year two because you have that to build off of. Um, and you've got the consistency with a couple of assistants staying put and a few new changes in the staff, but all good. And uh, the player piece of it stayed intact. We didn't have anybody jump into the transfer portal. And so I think that says a lot about uh, the culture here and how our staff did a good job building relationships. And I think everybody just uh, is, is excited for the future. When you think about some of those people that you've worked with, especially someone like Allison Pullman um, and others, were there any sort of words of advice that you got from them that said, hey, this is what I did in year one, don't do it, or yes, do this? You know, I asked a lot of coaches last summer, when we, especially when we were out on the recruiting trail, you run into a lot of coaches and you have a chance to sit next to them at games and uh, was able to ask what their advice was. And um, it was interesting to hear how people took that. And and some nuggets were really good. And some, a lot of them were just really encouraging. They were just like, you need to do things your own way. And um, it's going to be a whirlwind for a long time. Just keep on pushing. And mm -hmm. um, it, it really, all that I think was true in a way, I think, at first uh, was trying to maybe do things that were bits and pieces of other people. And I really needed to focus more on, on what I wanted and what I was going to do going forward. So I think I already adjusted that even just a few months in, I was like, I think I believe in this now and I'm going to go for this and sort of form my own path. Um, and it is a whirlwind. That was all true too. You know, you kind of, you talk about it being just over a year ago. I think we, we blinked and it was gone. It was such a, 
a crazy fast year. We, we also went on a foreign tour last summer. So add that in, you didn't really have any breaks. Um, as one of my uh, colleagues had said, it, we sprinted a marathon. So I think that's how it felt. And after the season, you kind of have a chance to sit back and I think it's really important to reflect and, and look at everything you've accomplished and how you would do things differently. And, and, and that's been really good too. I think this spring has been a good time to, to reflect back on that, but um, it is, it's it, the, the nuggets that those coaches give you. I, I, I love them. I don't take them for granted. And part of it though, I think uh, just that was the most common theme. You've got to stick to what you know, what you do. Um, and because at the end of the day, um, you're going to be most satisfied with, you know, the players that you decide you bring in and with the, the program that you run. Um, so I, taking that to heart you mentioned the word culture and it is it's the buzzword I mean one of probably you know a bajillion buzzwords in college athletics these days but everybody talks about culture we all want to talk about what it's going to be in the locker room on the floor off the floor etc you're no stranger to success both as a coach and as a player and for those that don't know out there uh coach Karius was the 2011 Horizon League player of the year she had a fantastic career at Wisconsin Green Bay NCAA tournaments appearances, Sweet 16 as a player. What from that do you take and then your experience as a coach to say, this is the culture of what I want my program to be. This is what we're going to do. Yeah, well, I was really fortunate to have such a great college experience and be a part of a winning culture there at Green Bay. And um, that, I mean, for a long, a long stretch, that was that was the team to beat. And I believe it ended at 21 straight conference championships. And I was somewhere in the middle. It started before I got there. It kept on yeah. going out left. I was somewhere in the middle. Uh, but what a, a tradition of success that you got to see over and over and uh, and being a part of that, you know what that looks like. And as a player, you know how that feels. We really had such strong teammate accountability. And I know a lot of people talk about holding each other accountable. And I don't think I've been a part of a ton of programs that actually do that, where the players themselves are not afraid to say, hey, Susie, we need more from you. You got to get going. Like this team needs you. And what you're giving right now is not good enough. And I think it's it's hard for for peers to challenge each other. It's hard for females to challenge each other and for that to be okay. And that was something we did. We did it. Um, it, it took some time to get used to that and to not be offended, but just to be like, when we step between the lines, we all want the same thing. So as long as I'm working like my tail off and I've given a hundred percent effort, I'm allowed to say these things to you and to challenge you. And uh, we all took it to heart. You know, we just, we didn't get offended by it. We were like, oh, wow, she needs me to be better. I'm going to be better. And so to that teammate accountability, it really, it holds more weight. I know I'm a coach now, so I, it's unfortunate for my, it holds more weight than coaching sometimes because it's coming from a different voice and those peer voices are just so strong. Um, so I got to see what that looked like. And then, like you said, being a part of these different programs, um, and sometimes the, the culture was really strong and sometimes it wasn't. We had to spend a lot more time growing it and fostering it. Uh, I, I give, uh, you know, my former boss here, Don Plitzway, credit for uh, the culture she's built here because I've been a part of programs that that's uh, a, a big a big part. Of, and it takes a lot of your time to try to fix it or to spend time on it. And um, I think that culture was really established already here for, for us. It was more this year. Let's, we still have to fight for our culture. So we're not just going to, okay, we have good culture. Perfect. Now we're not never going to talk about it. We're never going to talk about great team chemistry or get to know each other or get vulnerable with each other. Um, we just, you still have to fight for it every day if it's going to be that important to you. So it is really strong here. Uh, I put that up against anybody. It's like I said earlier, we didn't have 
anybody jump into the portal. And I think that speaks to our culture too. Yeah. And this group really wants to be here. These players love USD. They love living in Vermilion. Um, they love what we're trying to build here. And I think they're bought into what our coaching staff is doing. And, and that, it, it can carry you a long, long way. Well, we're going to talk more about the first season with this group and what lies ahead in just a moment with Coach and the challenges that not only last season presented, but what lies ahead for them. All right. But first, I've got to give everybody a message from our friends at Prize Picks. It is that time of year, everybody. It's the NBA playoffs, NHL. You've got golf. The WNBA is back in session. How does prize picks work? Well, you pick two to six players, and if they go score more or less than their prize picks, picks projections you will win money no competing against other people it's just you versus the projections available prize picks offers projections on any sport as we said entries are made in 60 seconds or less safe and fast withdrawals and currently operational in over 30 states and canada and right now it's the one million dollar daily super flex promotion with the nba playoffs Every day of the playoffs and the finals, one prize picks user will win a chance to become a millionaire. Yes, a millionaire. One entry place after 8 a.m. Eastern will be randomly selected each day. Whoever placed the entry will be given a six-pick flex with the following payouts. Six correct picks, a million dollars. Five, you get 80000 and four correct picks, it's $16,000. Full details can be found at prizepicks.com slash million. Once you opt in, all you have to do is play the game like normal and you can be the lucky winner. My 11-year-old son says you should be thinking about the Nuggets and the Heat. Those are the players that everybody should be thinking about. So download the Prize Picks app or go to theprizepicks.com to sign up to play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match for up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Prize Picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match to win up to $100. Hi, everybody. I am Missy Heidrich. Thank you for making Locked on Women's Basketball your first listen every day. For our everydayers tomorrow on the show, more women's basketball coverage with our fearless leader, Howard Megdahl. I am here today with Kayla Karius, the head coach of the South Dakota Coyotes of the Summit League. All right, let's coach. Let's take a few minutes and talk about this 22-23 season. Your first year back at South Dakota as the head coach. High hopes, talent returning. You've got new players coming in. Obviously, we've been talking about this tradition and culture of winning. And then all of a sudden, bam, you're a first-year head coach, and the injuries just started to pile up. Did you think maybe you were snake-bitten at some point in time, like maybe it was too good to be true? But then it seemed as though this group figured out a way to rally and to play within themselves as the season went on. Yeah, man. Okay, so you talked about prior to the season. You're right. Looking at, okay, this is the season preview. Who do we have? Coming off a Sweet 16 run, furthest this program has ever gone, went to new heights, amazing season. Now coming out of that, we lose all five starters. So three are graduated, two jumped into the transfer portal, went to a high major schools before I even got here, and done deal. So we're looking at one player returning who had played over 10 minutes a game, and we lost 84% of our scoring. And I'm you're just if that didn't make my stomach sick or fly last time, I don't know what else would. So, okay, where do we go from here? So we added a couple of pieces to our roster from the portal. 
And then you just start developing and you start getting used to having new leadership and who's going to step up. And uh, as the fall gets going, we went on our foreign tour, like I said, to Greece, which was great for us because we got three games in and got just used to each other and how game settings would be with a new coaching staff. And it was a great experience um, off the court as well. So wonderful opportunity. We go into the season. And as we get started, um, you know, we we'd start the year off really well. Actually, in our first home game, we played a, a non-division one Midland and we hit a school record 19 threes in that game. And a uh, really great chance for all of our fans to, to see these new players and think, OK, that might be one of our strengths this year is that clearly shooting a three. And it did the rest of the year it was pretty exciting. But from there, like you mentioned, one by one, we started to to lose players, unfortunately, due to injury and. At the end of it, we had five season-ending injuries that we lost this year, so uh, four of them being ACLs, and three of them happened all within five months of each other. And I think that's the piece you're talking about where you sit back and go, okay, are, are we doing something wrong here? Mm -hmm. Like, or what, what do we attribute this to? And so uh, a lot of sleepless nights where you start to think, what are we doing? What are we not doing? I'm on the phone talking to our team doctors who are phenomenal, great support here with Sanford Health System. And so we're just trying to figure out what it is, what we could do more of. And um, we we invested a little bit more time into certain exercises or certain warm-ups or different things in the weight room. But at the end of the day, um, it, it's happening. Unfortunately, it's happening at about the same rate that we experienced it. Now, I've never had five season-ending injuries on any team I've coached. That seems like a little bit much, but um, it happens. And so mm -hmm. you get into this point about Christmas time, we lost our, our last kid who was a starter for us, a senior, uh, whatever little experience we had left, okay, was gone. So we were playing only with one more, one senior left on the floor and um, down to most of the time, eight players for the most of the conference season. Sometimes we had a ninth, but it was, she was kind of in and out. So now what? And now this is where the culture jumps in. You you have these moments because it's human nature of sitting back and um, wondering what you're doing wrong. Or to be honest, you you start to feel sorry for yourself and mm -hmm. you just have to fight it. And instead of uh, me just holding that in, uh, we we told our, we talked to our players about that. And it just became a, um, a talking point that we weren't going to hide it. This is happening. And you can't feel sorry for yourself. And I know that that's easy. And I know that that's, that's human nature to do, but the, the bottom line is nobody else feels sorry for us. And you, sure. you as a program have rolled through this conference the last few years and made a lot of people miserable. So they're definitely not feeling sorry <laughs> now. In fact, the target got even bigger and, yeah. and it, it showed we got, we got almost everybody's best game of the year. Teams that weren't shooting it that well shot it like crazy against us, right? It just happens because uh, you get everybody's best shot. And we really, um, we couldn't feel sorry for ourselves. So we came up with this slogan. Uh, one of my favorite songs, I actually heard it. Uh, it was after a weekend that we had lost both games. And we, uh, I get to work, I go to, to work in the morning and I, um, in the car, I'm, I'm hearing the song on the radio and it's, it's called Overcomer by Mandisa. Um, it's only Christian or country for me. So it, it was I've Christian that morning and Overcomer comes on and I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't heard this song in so long. These lyrics, they hit me like our team needs to hear this. And it talks about, when you are hit with really hard times, don't quit. Don't give in. You are an overcomer and you can do it. And look back at what you've already done. You can do it. You can do hard things. And so 
I showed it to them. We uh, we actually put together a cool highlight film of all the times that we were down and out, supposedly, in, in road games and battle back to win. There were four of them at that point that we were down double digits um, on the road and had to come back to win. And the song Overcomers in the background. And we made T-shirts. Of course, you got to have T-shirts and overcomers plastered across the chest. And it just became sort of our mantra, like, you are an overcomer. We are overcomers. It is what it is. You just can't change some of this. You can't control it. And uh, they bought into it. You know, it was fun. Like you said, we finished the season on on a, a, such a strong run, winning three out of the last four, and go on the, the last road trip of the season, which was – it's always a bear as you're getting ready for conference play and you want to go in there with momentum – uh, what a great weekend. We had one of our best games against Oral Roberts on the road against such a talented team mm-hmm. and about uh, a last second win against Kansas City, who is the 10 seed in the tournament. But clearly they didn't care because they go on and win two games and get to the, the semis. And so that was exciting for them. That was a team that got really hot late. So it is. It's just this um, this message that we had to just stick together. You had to overcome it. And truly, truly, I hope that's a message they carry with them for the rest of their lives because you're going to endure hard stuff as life goes on and you've got to find a way to overcome it. Yeah, there's nothing that college athletics, I think, teaches us more than that. And there's a lot of life skills and things that you take on 10, 20 years from now. They probably don't see it now, but they will. This group, they finished 10 and 8 in the Summit League. You were fourth in the league standings. Um, you had a first team all Summit League selection, and that was Grace Larkin. She was that real little piece that was coming back from that Sweet 16 group. She learned a lot, She, but yet all of a sudden now so much put on the shoulders of a sophomore. Um, I had a chance to see your team in person, got to call one of your games at the Summit League. I was impressed just from... Again, you were depleted, but yet this was a group that seemed to dial in on every single possession. When you talk about style, when you talk about how you want to play with pace, it seems as though having a guard like Grace Larkins and a player like Carly Dunphy out front, they are the ones that can help you do that moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. It's hard when you go into the season and you have this idea of what you're going to look like. And I wanted to change some things about the style they had run here. I wanted to play more up tempo. I knew we were pretty good three point shooters. I don't think I knew we were that good when we first hit the 19 threes in the first game, but you start to see that as a strength and you think we've got the speed with the ball in Grace Larkin's hands. We're a fast team and she's going to force everyone else to play at her pace. And that is really, really fun uh, because she's she clearly showed she's just a difficult player to contain. And so we started playing that up tempo. We were really pushing it. But you've got to have depth to play at that tempo to a certain extent, especially when you're looking at conference play and playing Thursday, Saturday games um, to be that effective and to, to push the pace like that. You've got to have the horses to do it and you've got to have depth to do it. And so. It started out as our style, and then I think as the year went on, um, you get to this point, you're like, this is what I want to do, but this isn't really what we're built to do. Mm-hmm. And those are the things as a head coach, you've got to be really like fluid to be like, okay, we've got to adjust to what we have and, and what we're good at right now and um, get rid of the stubbornness, get rid of the ego. Like It's time to just be who we are. And so we changed that. We had to. There were a lot of times in the second half of league play where we were walking it up the floor because that was the pace we had to play at in order mm-hmm. to try games in a weekend and give our kids a ton of credit. I think Grace Larkin's least two favorite words in the whole dictionary are slow down. And for her to take that from us and, and to really understand like 
you have to do this in order for us to win mm -hmm. and for her to do that i think says a lot about her as a player because it's not in her nature and it's it's not what she loves to do um, but she did it she adjusted for the team and we were so much better off because of it and um so it was good now you look at going forward i think that we want to kind of get back to that style um grace is a phenomenal player and and you saw she's the the first player ever in Summit League history to finish top five in four categories, points, rebounds, assists, and steals, which just shows her impact that she has on the floor on both ends. Um, you want her in the game. She, she makes a huge difference. She makes us go. And now uh, that we are going to get back healthy coming up this year and then added a couple more pieces around her, uh, I think uh, we're set to be deeper and uh, to get back to the style we want to play. All right, we're going to talk about that in just a moment. We're going to look ahead to the 23-24 season for South Dakota. And I always like to ask coaches, and Coach Karius is going to get that question of what we affectionately like to call here at the next and locked on women's basketball, the wild, wild west of the portal. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Locked on Women's Basketball. I am Missy Heidrich, National Women's Basketball Correspondent at The Next, and so happy to be joined today by Kayla Karius, the head coach at the University of South Dakota of the Summit League, one of, I've always say, one of the best mid-major leagues in the nation because top to bottom, it is so competitive, and you really can't take a night off. Um, coach, let's turn your attention now thinking ahead. Um, you've got this, you've had your spring, you've got your summer months coming on. Let's talk first a little bit about schedules. Um, not only is the summit league announced, you're going to have the summit league beast, big sky challenge series, but you are going to take the challenge right out of the gate and, and take this team to the battle for Atlantis and the Bahamas in November. Um, now, as you've looked at scheduling, as you sit in that head coach seat, how have you approached it and what's kind of your philosophy there? Yeah, that's uh, the next big piece of the puzzle. You know, we have our roster set for this coming year. So I think that's always you're kind of you're working on scheduling as you go and you think you're close and then something shifts. Um, certainly the Big Sky Challenge was uh, being talked about most of the year and then they finally made a decision on it here after the season. So you've got to adjust to that. Uh, we also, you know, had a team leave our, our league here in the last week. And so for Western Illinois departing us and um, moving to the Ohio Valley Conference here, you're looking at filling two more games and, and that conference schedule getting changed around a whole bunch. So, you know, you, you go from being close to being like, oh, no, we got some work to do here. And that's okay. Um, the, the battle for Atlantis is such a great opportunity for us. That's something that uh, you, you don't just sign up for. You have to get called and invited, and that's uh, a really big deal because they've been a part of it. In fact, we were part of the inaugural battle for Atlantis in 2020, uh, which, as we all know, got um, canceled and readjusted. They actually sent some of the teams to Sioux Falls to play instead. So um, it's time for us to actually go now to the Bahamas and stay at the Atlantis and play just phenomenal competition, um, which that field will be coming out soon. But we have uh, some great matchups there. And I know that's going to be a great challenge for us. Now, I think we're better suited for it this year. Like I said, I think we're deeper. I think we just in our second year have a better feel for our staff and, and team and just our style of play. But along with those great challenges, uh, you know, you're trying to put other pieces around there this total balance between getting yourselves ready for conference play. So being challenged, being okay with uh, playing power five schools, being on the road at neutral sites, whatever that looks like and, and not winning them all, honestly, and being okay with that and playing some different styles and getting stretched. And then you've got to build some confidence in there too. So mm -hmm. this, 
uh, mixture. We would talk about a roster in a little bit, but we do have some new pieces that I think are going to be impact pieces right away. So that's always the other piece you look at. If it's, if the core is returning, I think you can challenge yourselves a lot and be okay with that. And there's just a couple of maybe freshmen or transfers. If you have impact players right away, um, you need to, to get rolling and get some confidence games in there too. So it's, it's such a balance, you know, it's, it's a fun, it's a big puzzle and it's, it's really fun to, to put that together. You, you have um, great Midwest basketball right in our backyard, you know, like Creighton, for example, is a team that we've had on our schedule the last few years and has been great about um, doing home and homes with, and it's another one that uh, we will have, you know, come in the next coming year. So how do you balance, you know, those great Midwest teams and get challenged that way and then and then get to go have some fun in the sun and play some really good competition in the Bahamas too? Yeah, you can't beat that, right? Um, now no. let's talk a little bit about this uh, this new, this team, this 23-24 count roster. You've got four freshman signees. And um, as we talked about, no one from your squad goes into the portal, but – you have a couple that you have gone and that are coming your way via the portal. When you look at your sort of recruiting philosophy, building a roster, putting it all together, everybody does it different. But the one thing I've heard from coaches over the last couple of years is because of the portal and the way the world is now, can't do anything about it, right? Um, that there's got to be a balance. There's a balance between that high school signee and the portal and what do I leave available What's your philosophy? How did you manage it? And are you excited? And did you like the way that this has played out for you? Well, I, I think the philosophies are, are changing, honestly, as this becomes more and more common. And I, uh, I still believe that we're going to recruit high school kids heavily and we're going to look at um, bringing those those players in. You know, it's I just we just got off the road recruiting here this last weekend and uh, we're watching kids as young as I mean, we've got local like seventh grade kids that we're watching some of those games. Not that we're sitting there all day watching seventh graders, but it starts young and that gives us an opportunity to really watch these kids develop over years and get to know them and get to know their families and build those relationships over years. Um, it's a very different way of recruiting than this, the transfer portal, which is uh, becoming a lot more like speed dating where you've got less time to get to know each other and build a relationship. And are we the right fit or are we not? And uh, less time to make those decisions because everybody seems to be moving very quickly. So mm -hmm. if you can really recruit a lot, a large pot of those kids early and if they're in high school, um, even if they don't choose you the first time around that relationship, I think it holds a lot of weight because when it comes down to it, uh, when you're, you're jumping in the portal and these players are being overwhelmed with all these coaches reaching out right away. You know, I've talked to one kid who in, within 24 hours of putting her name in there, she has 75 coaches that have reached out. Whether, however that happens. And that can be really overwhelming. Now think about, if she's got great relationships with 10 of those, well, that makes it easier to narrow it, at least to say, at least I know this person and I know mm -hmm. I've talked with them before. Uh, so I, I, you know, it's, I think there's a, a philosophy that that's, that's what we're going to go with is you're really going to stick to those high school kids. Like you said, we're bringing in four of them and we have uh, three of those kids are being right here from South Dakota and the fourth is from Iowa, but not that far away. And that's phenomenal too for our fan base and for uh, those people who get really excited about those great local players and keeping those players home. And then if there's holes to fill, then you can go and fill them uh, with the portal, with the the players that are going to bring you some of that instant experience and uh, have a little bit, they give you a little bit more depth that way. And yes, I'm excited. You That was your last question. Yeah. Oh, yes, <laughs> we're excited about what, what we have going forward. I think it's after the season, you take a little time to 
uh, to collect your thoughts and to breathe. But then you're also like, okay, what holes do we have now that we've been through the league for for a year? Mm-hmm. You know, what do we see that we need to add more of? And uh, you know, we weren't great defensively. We feel like we have to get better in that area. Okay, what's going to help us get better in that area? You find these holes, you find these positions, um, and then you can go out and once you've identified them, now you can go out and find them. And I'm really proud of our staff. We felt like those were two holes, and we went out and filled them with the right people. That's fantastic. All right. I got two more questions for you. The first being, you mentioned, we know that the Summit League has always been tough, but kind of sitting at the top of it has been and is an interstate rival. That doesn't happen for everybody. There's a lot of programs, mid-major P5s, what have you, they're isolated. They try to maybe fabricate or they try to make a rival. You have one built in, in South Dakota State. It's not very far away from Vermilion. Does it take long to go from Brookings to Vermilion and back? What does that say not only about the quality of um, high school basketball, of what girls basketball is in that part of the country, but also just knowing that that type of rivalry within your own league, that you're doing that at least twice, maybe three times a year, that says a lot and does a lot for your program. Well, there's a lot of excitement around these programs. You know, it's such, like I said before, it's a unique place. Um, and this is an area of the country uh, that the couple states surrounding us, we don't have professional sports here. So, you know, I've, I'm from Wisconsin. I'm from just north of Milwaukee. And I see, you know, the impact that those big cities have with. But they, there's there's a lot to do. And there's a, there's a lot of teams to root for. You come to South Dakota, you are either blue or you are red. And that's it. And these kids grow up, they have baby pictures in their onesies where they're wearing coyote uh, red onesies. And um, they're kind of influenced right from the start based on where my mom and dad go. It's one of our early recruiting questions for some of these kids. Okay, where did your parents go to school? Because sometimes that makes a big difference. Yeah. When you talk about rivalry, uh, it's sometimes it's hard to cross those people over to to a different color. So um, it is, it's it's a super strong rivalry. It always has been, not just in the Summit League, it goes back to the NCC days and when we were all Division II and it has just continued. Uh, we we draw huge crowds for those games. They seem to hold more weight. They seem to draw a different type of crowd uh, that uh, maybe hasn't followed some of the year but knows that it's the state game. So they're willing to come out and uh, with their passionate uh, you know, families and just come on out and cheer us on. So it does. It means a whole lot. It's it's really important to what we do. And, um, you know, like I said, we, we really go after our, our home state kids first. And our goal is to keep those kids uh, right here at home. And then the the different pieces we look for really just surrounding states. You know, lately our recruiting region really has only been right here in the Midwest besides one or two pieces here or there. And I think that makes it even more fun because you've got local high school teams and uh, local coaches and all the fans uh, that know these kids and can keep following them um, going forward. So it is it's it's uh, it's a great rivalry. It's you know, that, like you mentioned, the Summit League, I think, is only getting stronger and stronger this year. We saw some teams really take jumps and uh, nothing was a gimme. Everybody was um, everybody was better. Everybody um, is just like I said before, with our, our the target on our backs uh, came for us and played really hard against us. And, and you love that for your league. We've been a, a two-bid league twice uh, overall, and we would like to keep you know building so we can get more and more to that point and get um, a couple of teams into the NCAA tournament each year. Yeah, I foresee that coming more and more just because of the quality of programs, the quality of play, and the talent that we're seeing all throughout the summit. All right, um, Coach Karius, before I let you go, I have one more question. I always like to ask everybody this. Okay, outside of your basketball training facility in terms of your offices and your arena, 
what is your favorite place on the USD campus? Ooh. And I can tell you, I can tell you, I've had all sorts of, I've had um, endorsements for coffee shops on campus, um, gardens, whatever that might be. Everybody has a different spot. That's a really good question. So the first one that came to my mind is when you drive down Cherry Street, so you're coming into town, you drive down Cherry Street, and you're going to have the campus on your left, and you have all of our athletic facilities on your right. When you turn and look left at our campus, you see the coyote legacy statue. So it's a, a coyote who's like a mouth open, howling, his teeth are showing. Um, and behind that is Old Main. So it is just the most picturesque place place, I think, in, on campus. And it's perfect because it's like right when you drive in, you sort of look and all around that then are all academic buildings, the student union, and you typically have a lot of people walking all around there. It's just a, one of the most high trafficked areas in on campus because people are coming in and out of the union mainly. Uh, so I think, I don't know, I've just always loved that setting. It's a place that we we typically like will bring recruits to and show them. And I think Old Main itself, the building has um, has been there a long time. It's actually burned down several times. They've rebuilt it. Okay. It's super charming and old. And um, I just, I love that. I love that view. Yeah. Well, there you go. And like you said, perfect for a recruit and their parents when they need to come to get a photo op. I, I think that sounds fantastic. Absolutely. Well, coach, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on Locked on Women's Basketball. We love to talk about co to coaches about their programs. And um, I know that South Dakota is going to be on everybody's watch list as we head towards the 23-24 season. So thank you so much for coming on today. I really do appreciate it. Thanks, Missy. Appreciate you having me. This was fun. Absolutely. Well, everybody, don't forget, follow us at The Next Hoops, www.thenexthoops.com. We've got you covered. And thank you for making Lockdown Women's Basketball your first listen every day. For our everydayers tomorrow, more show coverage, women's basketball, WNBA, international, whether it's three-on-three, three, the college game, we've got it. Howard Megdahl and the crew all week. And make sure you come back and see us. We will have everything you need in terms of coverage for women's basketball. Thanks, everybody. We will see you soon right here on Lockdown Women's Basketball.